Good day, St. Paul's Church and everyone tuning in from wherever you are. It is a privilege to be bringing God's word to you today. I trust it that you will um, be blessed by this word. I trust that your life will be challenged and I trust that you will be filled with the eternal hope that Jesus is Lord of all, even in the midst of this chaos, in the midst of this crisis and in the midst of anxiety. Let us close our eyes and we'll open in a word of prayer. Lord, we give you thanks for this word. We give you thanks for this time that we are in. We give you thanks that you are the author and the perfecter of our faith, that you are the one guiding us and leading us and moving us forward. And as we engage with your word um, today, we pray that you would have it take root in our hearts and that we will uh, apply to our lives and our stories, specifically as we face this crisis in the world. In Jesus' name, Amen. Now, church, my sermon today is on spiritual maturity in times of crisis. What I mean by that is that regardless of what we see and experience in our lives and in the world today, Christ is still calling his church, he's still calling the body, he's still calling his bride forward to respond and to love as he would want them to love, to respond to the crisis that we see around us in a way that reflects his heart and his desire and his calling for our lives. You see, just because we are in the same storm, it doesn't mean that we respond to the storm in the same way. Um, just because people that is does not live who does not live with a Christ-centered view and a Christ-centered perspective of reality, just because they respond with anxiety and fear and anger and racism, it doesn't mean the Christian voice should be of that same kind. And that is what I mean by spiritual maturity in a time of crisis. I have four things for us today that I, that I relate out of the passages that we have read from Paul in how can we respond in a spiritually mature way to the crisis and the times that we are facing in our world today. The first thing that Paul says in, in Philippians 2 verse, verse 14 is the following. He says, do everything without complaining so that no one can criticize you. That alone is for me a difficult truth to swallow. It is a difficult truth to accept. To, to respond to this crisis in a spiritually mature way, Paul says, do everything without complaining. Do everything without arguing, says the, 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 the NIV translation. And, and why should we do that? So that no one can criticize our witness in the world. During this crisis, how have you found yourself? How have you found the condition of your heart? Maybe some of you have lost a job. 
Some of you were retrenched. Some of you had to take a salary cut. Some of you are seeing the, some of the, the decisions that are made in Parliament and all you want to do is complain or you want to criticize. And I'm not saying that we shouldn't be critical of some of the decisions that are made. We, we, we should um, hold government to account. But the question and the challenge and the invitation for those who are spiritually mature is to, to, to not complain and to not be overly critical so that it ends up hurting the testimony of Jesus, hurting the testimony of the church. I have seen a lot of people on social media, Christians specifically, who have started out during this lockdown very positive very very excited and praying for the government and saluting the government in making these swift decisions but as the lockdown begin to take its toll on them as the comfort is beginning to shrink as their finances is beginning to shrink they can't get cigarettes they can't get alcohol they can't drive where they want to the worst attitudes come out. They started being overly critical. And these are people who have been Christians for quite some time. And Paul is challenging us. Do, do everything without complaining so that people cannot criticize your stance and your position in, in Christ. People have lost perspectives. They are negative and, and complaining all the time. But, but, but the, 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 the fact of the matter is that the church should be critical. The church should um, speak, um, be a prophetic voice. But if all the church, but if the church is mostly known for its complaining during this crisis, we are giving the world a false picture of Jesus and the hope that we claim to have. During this time of, of, of lockdown, Nadine has lost her job and and we had we had two responses that we could have had as a as a as a family as a couple we could have complained and said yes we we now see that this is a mess and now everything is going to the dogs and it's just the worst or we could say you know what Christ is still calling us as a young couple here in Pretoria to respond with compassion to respond with the hope, the eternal hope that this life is not all there is. The second thing that can help us become spiritually mature in times of crisis is to respond to life in a Christ-like manner. To respond to all of life in a manner that is worthy of the Jesus we call Lord and Savior. Paul says in, in verse 15, he says, he says, after he says, uh, do everything without complaining, he goes on to say, he says, live clean and innocent lives as children of God, shining bright like lights in a world full of cricket, crooked and perverse people. Shining like bright lights in a world full of crooked and perverse people. Friends, a sign of having a mature understanding of the Christian faith is when a person consistently responds to life's circumstances in a way that is opposite to that of the crooked and perverse people. 
Imagine if the church also respond with crooked and perverse attitudes that is unlike that of the, the Jesus we call Lord. We are to respond to life, to all of life, not some of life's circumstances. Whether you are retrenched or not, whether you have to take a pay cut or not, whether the church is closed or not, to all of life, whether you can go visit your family or not, to respond to all of life's circumstances in a Christ-like matter. What would that look like in the coming weeks for you to say, I want to reflect a spiritually mature nature in this time of crisis. So what can I do practically? I must respond to whatever comes my way, whatever comes in my day, whatever comes in my week. I must respond to it in a manner that is worthy of this Lord that I call Jesus. And so more than ever, more than ever, it is a time in the world that is necessary for Christians to shine like bright lights. Our world is full of darkness. Our world is full of pain. Our world is full of brokenness. Our world is full of hurt. We see it amplified because of this crisis. And yet, and yet, as Paul sits in prison in Philippians, as Paul sits in prison writing this letter to the Philippian church, he says, friends, I am suffering the worst experiences here, but I want you to respond to life in a Christ-like manner, in a clean and innocent way, shining like bright lights in this crooked and perverse world. There's an old story of a Dutch Anabaptist martyr by the name of Dirk Willems. Willems. The story goes that he um, was captured when, when, in the 16th century when, um, when the Netherlands was still under hectic, hectic um, Spanish rule. And so he, he uh, was captured and um, was thrown in prison. And one day he escaped from, from prison. And he ran over a, a, a frozen dam. And one of the guards chased after him. But, but, but the, the, the guard was a bit overweight and the, 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 the ice broke and the, and the guard fell through. And as he's crying out and, and crying for help, this guard, um, Dirk Willems, looked back and he had a choice to make. Is this a situation in which I respond because of my comfort, my freedom, I want to go see my family? Or is this a situation in which I have to respond in a manner that is worthy of the Christ I call Lord? And we know, for those of you who know the story, we know how the story ends. He went back and he rescued this God, which obviously meant that he was captured again that he was put in prison again, and that he was eventually burned to death because he responded in a way that is worthy of Christ. He responded to life in a Christ-like manner. And we are called as Christians that we should respond to life in a Christ-like manner. That is a sign of being spiritually mature in a time of crisis. We, we, we could argue that, that his own freedom 
Derek Willems' own freedom wasn't the highest priority of his life in that moment. The highest priority of his life in that moment was to show a God, a, a crooked and perverse person, he, his, his highest priority was to show this person what Jesus is like, even if it means personal suffering, personal discomfort, personal sacrifice, and even being burned at the stake. Paul says in verse 17 of Philippians 2, he says the following, he says, but I will rejoice even if I lose my life. There is harsh words to hear for Christians. I will rejoice in Christ because my life is not about me. My life is about Christ. I will rejoice even if I lose my life because I'm pouring it out like a drink offering to God. And that is the whole point of maturing as a Christian. It is to ask more of Christ and less of myself. Friends, how are you responding to what is happening in the world right now. Is it Christ-like? Is it different from the world? Is it clean and innocent? Only you and I can stand by ourselves before the living God and say, I am responding to this crisis in a way that Jesus calls me to, or I respond to this crisis in a way that my fear, my anxiety, and my comfort is calling me to. We have the choice, like Dirk Willems had the choice to choose personal freedom or to choose a way to respond Christ-like. Thirdly, we become spiritually mature in, in times of crisis when we become people of earnest and urgent prayer. I want to say that again. We become spiritually mature in times of crisis when we become people of earnest and urgent prayer. Prayer. And this is not one of the things that comes out of the text. This is something that I felt too important to leave out because during this crisis, the church is called to their knees to pray to God, to seek the face of God for the lost, for the hurt, for the broken, for the world leaders, for the people we do not like, for the decisions that they make that is uncomfortable us. We are called to be people of earnest and urgent prayer. If the church aren't a people of prayer, it becomes a people of anxiety. I really need to stress that. If the church aren't a people of prayer, it becomes a people of anxiety. We will either be driven by our prayer towards Jesus or we'll be driven by our anxiety of what we see around us. If we don't call out to God to be present in our lives and stories in this crisis, we have no hope to offer an already anxious world. The, the Guardian is a, a UK uh, newspaper. They posted an article um, on the 3rd of May. You can go read it. They posted an article in which they said during this time of COVID-19, they said a quarter of all of the UK citizens, a quarter of all of the UK citizens have watched a sermon online. We thought the church would be in crisis because the church had to close its doors. But they're in a country that is almost seen as largely post-Christian, post-church. A quarter of its people have watched a sermon 
online. It further says that one, and you can, you can go Google it, it further says that one in 20 people says that they have turned to prayer during this time of crisis. A country that is largely post-Christian, people say, we want to turn towards a power and, 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 a, and, a, and a force and a presence that is greater than us to this crisis. We must be a people of earnest prayer and of urgent prayer. And if that's how these, that's, if that's how people in the UK and, and people in a first world country are responding to this crisis, how much more do we need to turn to Jesus, to turn to the scriptures, to turn to each other as a community and as a body? A community that stands in solidarity that says, I feel your pain. You, you might not be a Christian, you might not be a, a, a follower of Jesus, but I feel your pain. I have empathy towards your pain because we are part of the human race. We stand in solidarity with those who are hurting, with those who are broken, because we are sharing this suffering. Let us become people of earnest and urgent prayer. My, my, on the 1st of May, we had a, a brilliant, brilliant uh, a youth network of over 500 people. We had a 24-hour prayer day on Zoom and we asked anyone, old and young, to tune in. But it was run by a youth group, a youth ministry. And, and it's, it's a testimony to if the youth, if the young people can over technology say we want to seek the face of God for what is happening in the world. How much more should we as mature believers, as adult Christians, to say we will turn to prayer during this time of crisis? It was so interesting and so cool to see Daniel from St. Paul's Church and also Tanita from St. Paul's Church that was tuned in to that 24-hour prayer session. And I want to encourage you as a church, continue to seek the face of God in earnest and urgent prayer. And friends, this, in this crisis, in this, in this moment that has come to shape how we will look at the future, it is now of even more importance for Christians, for Christ followers to live and walk in prayer daily. There is no better remedy. There is no greater antidote for the anxiety, for the stress, for the chaos of this crisis than prayer. Tim Keller says it beautifully. He says, if you, he makes the example, he said, if you were to hear from your doctor tomorrow that you will, that you have a serious, serious illness. And if you don't take a pill at 11.30 at night, every night for the rest of your life, you will die. He says, will you, will you, will you even run the risk of skip one day? He says, will you, will you, won't you put reminders everywhere that you have to drink your pill? Won't you, your life will, will be centered around not forgetting to drink this pill because you might die. He said, that is prayer in time of crisis. That is what creates spiritual maturity when we believe every day when I leave my house, I cannot go into my day in this crisis without prayer. Friends, lastly, for the spiritual maturity of the church in times of crisis, we must, we must embrace 
a theology of suffering. We must embrace a theology of suffering, that suffering is part of what the church is called to do. Throughout the ages, you can look in scripture, you can go look at church history. Throughout the ages, when the church grew the most, when the church was the most effective, it was during times when the church was persecuted, when the church was suffering, when the church was hurting. We must learn to embrace a theology of suffering. The, the faith healing movement has given us half of the truth. That God wants to heal you, but sometimes he doesn't. And that is part of the cross that we have to bear. The prosperity gospel has given us half the gospel. That God wants to bless you, but also when you don't, when you are poor, when you are hurting, when you sit with a life-threatening illness for the rest of your life and people have prayed for you and nothing has happened, that is also part of what God is calling us to. We must be able to, to grow spiritually mature in times of crisis. We must have a perspective that suffering is part of the Christian journey. You see... A lot of people, a lot of people want to go to heaven, but they don't want to die to get there, right? A lot of people want God to bless them, but they don't want to go through the trials and the tribulations and the challenges of life to get there. We want to naturally, supernaturally arrive at a place of great blessing, of healing, of everything is okay in our lives. But suffering is part of the story. Jesus didn't arrive at Sunday resurrection and at ascension day without having to go through Holy Week, without having to go through Maundy Thursday, without having to go through the cross of Friday, without having to go through the tomb of Saturday. The resurrection did not come without the cross. Suffering should be part of our theology. Paul brings this truth home in the other reading that we have read of Romans 8, which is such a powerful, powerful chapter. N.T. Wright, the, the, the British uh, New Testament scholar and theologian, he says, um, uh, Romans 8 centers for him, it, it covers the entire gospel in one chapter. That is Romans 8. And at the end of Romans 8, Paul brings it home when he says, when he says does it mean that he no longer loves us? If we have trouble, or calamity, or are persecuted, or hungry, or destitute, or in danger, or threatened with death. said, no, 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 no. Paul says, despite all of the suffering that we endure, that we readily embrace, despite it all, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ Jesus. And then he goes into that beautiful ending part and he says, I am absolutely convinced. I am convinced beyond a shadow of the doubt. I bet my life on it that nothing, not blessing, not curse, not suffering, not crisis, not COVID-19, not poverty, not economic collapse will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. Friends, God desires for you as a church to grow, for you and your family to live spiritually mature lives. But for that to happen, 
Embrace suffering. Stop complaining. Respond to life in a Christ-like manner and become people of earnest and urgent prayer. May God's grace and his favor be upon you as a church. Let me pray and we'll end there. Jesus, thank you so much for your life. Thank you so much for your death. Thank you so much because of you. We can know that we, even in the worst circumstances, we can still take courage. We do not have to complain so that our testimony in the world will be heard. We can respond to life in a Christ-like manner. We can, uh, we can be people of urgent and earnest prayer. And above all, we can embrace a theology of suffering because nothing, nothing will separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.